What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Miltrick Media. I am your host, Miltrick, and we are here with the one and only Mr. Antonio Mancia, Mr. Antonio Music, the open mic extraordinaire. What's going on, man? How the hell are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's a rainy day. It's Sunday afternoon in Staten Island, New York, so I appreciate you coming out in crummy weather like this because New York weather, it's not just rain when it rains. It's not just snow. It has like an extra thickness to it, and it really hits you. It's like it, it's with your shoulders too. It's like it has like the extra pollution in the water, right? And it just it makes you feel real damp. It's the the sea saltiness is in the air. Oh, you're right, and it's so heavy. No, you're right. That's why you can't really go too far in the beaches on Staten Island currently because you'll come out with superpowers. But we still love it. It's our home, right? It is what it is. So, Antonio, I first met you, I think, either probably on Instagram or something, but I remember I definitely played an open mic at Kitty Kiernan's in December of 2016. I can't believe that was almost five years ago. But yeah, that's when I first met you. And those are great open mics. And you're still grinding, doing those open mics, one of many. So, let's touch on that. Open mics. How old are you when you played your first open mic? Uh, well, my first open mic was over at the uh, hashtag bar, which oh, is no yeah, longer yeah. around. Yeah, shout out the hashtag so bar. So that must have been, I think, actually, it was twenty fourteen. Okay. Um, how old was I? You know, I, I'm not gonna do the math. No, yeah, yeah. But it was twenty fourteen, and I had a bunch of, I had a couple songs that um, I was working on, and I said, "What's the point of writing the songs? Just playing in my bedroom. I need to play out." Mm-hmm. Um, and I played a couple songs. I remember uh, comedian John Kirshner was 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 hosting the open mic at that time. And um, yeah, I played maybe two or three songs and it, it was nerve wracking. And uh, I don't think the songs were all that good, but that's the way you get better. You play out and you hear the songs live and breathe in the room. And uh, you just go from there as a songwriting process. Yeah, I remember in 2014, like it used to be the cup, but I played my first show ever with my high school band, the Riot Band, in uh, 2014 in at the hashtag bar. Yeah, and I remember that was like right after they changed to become the hashtag bar. Yeah, right on base. Oh, Van Duzer Street. Yeah. 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 Hashtag was was a great little spot for a short time. Um, we had great hosts, great performers there. They had the open mic on Mondays. Um, and so many people would come out and do their best, and we'd be there. Until like two or three in the morning, yeah, doing our thing, supporting each other too, yeah. And I got to know so many good people there, and uh, I miss it because yeah. you're not. We don't have a place like that right now on Staten Island where people um, can kind of get together and of so many different talents and just kind of party the night away too. Um, and uh, it was yeah. a good time. I miss it. So we talk about open mics. So even the first one, when you played, you feel the nerves. It's like you get the adrenaline. I felt the same way too, because it's not like you're, it's more raw and off the cusp. And it's like, it is, it's a lot more, you're a lot more vulnerable when it's just you, a guitar and open mic. So even leading up to that first performance, what did you have prepared? Did you do two songs, three songs? Did you do covers? What went into your first open mic performance? Uh, it was between two and three songs. Um, and there were songs that were, very personal, I think. Um, my songs are still personal, mm-hmm. but I think when I started first writing, uh, it was trying to get something out of me to make myself feel better uh, and deal with things. And uh, I think some of those first songs were very depressing, but I worked on them and they got better. And I started writing songs that people could get connect to better, I think. And um, yeah, they just got better from there. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. So what made you want to start managing and running, hosting your own open mics? It, it kind of fell into my lap, I think, because working at Hashtag Bar, um, not working at Hashtag Bar, but performing at Hashtag Bar, um, one of the uh, the owners, managers there, he saw me performing. Maybe he saw something in me, and he said, why don't you host a, a weekly acoustic showcase, actually a monthly acoustic showcase. So it was one Wednesday out of the month. Um I would get together with some performers and we would play on stage and I'd have them have them play maybe about a oh, half hour each, yeah. just showcase their songs and maybe even cover songs as well. And that w- that was started, uh, I think, 20, 2015, I think. Nice. And uh, I was at Hashtag for, I think, two years or so and then it closed. Mm-hmm. Then I moved over to Mother Pugs, another great spot on the island yeah. for music. 
then I did it at Doozers uh, right here on Van Doozer that it's since closed um, uh, when COVID happened. And I've kind of taken a break on that because I've been busy with so many other things. Yeah, yeah. And you got the new one at O'Henry's, right? Every right. Friday night. Right. Still doing Kitty Kiernan's open mic every Thursday night. And yeah. Kitty Kiernan's is at Bay Ridge. So yeah, how'd you get involved with Bay Ridge and Kitty Kiernan's? Kitty Kiernan's, um, another thing that kind of fell on my lap, uh, one of the bartenders uh, that used to be at Hashtag, uh, she's now at Hop Shop Tabitha. Um, she started working there at Kitty's and they were looking for an open mic host. They had an open mic that was going on on Thursdays and they had several hosts. So I was going on for a couple of years, but the, the, the most recent host at that time um, left. She was mm -hmm. a musician. She still is a musician. And she, I think she went out on touring. And yeah. so there was no open mic. And she re recommended me to the owner. Oh, nice. And so the first time I went there, I spent maybe an hour looking for parking. Uh, Dude, Ridge, same thing happened to me. Yeah, I thought like, hey, listen, Bay Ridge, it's not downtown. You're going to be fine. But yeah, it fucked me up too. I was like... Dude, I can't find parking. I'm fucked. Yeah, the first time I went, it was just to uh, to to meet with with Tabby and to meet with the owner, just kind of check out the place. And I took about an hour to uh, to find parking. Um, I've since gotten way better. I can find parking real quick. Over you become there. a pro. Yeah, you know the spots. You know, uh, kind of the, when when people are gonna leave, and you can kind of figure it out. And um, the first time I went in there, I was like, this is a nice little warm spot. Um, yeah, it was. And I met the owner the first night that I started hosting. And he was like, nice to meet you. Uh, good luck. Yeah. And he kind of walked out. But he, he's, he's a real nice guy. Um, that is cool, though. He had the faith and trust. He just put it in your hands, let yeah. you do your thing. Yeah. And I got to tell you, those first few months were tough. Yeah. We, we barely had any performers. There were nights I was sitting at the bar trying to work on songs, just, just writing a little bit. And then I think I started that October 2016. Mm -hmm. And um, March 2017, it really started to pick up. Yeah, uh, word got out in Bay Ridge about the open mic. There was another open mic going on on Thursdays, but it was earlier. Okay, so people would get out of that open mic, come to mine for a late night spot because I would go until 2 a.m. And oh wow, yeah, so we grind. Were, yeah. yeah, we were grinding till 2 a.m. And um, it just picked up from there. And a lot of people from the neighborhood, a lot of people from even. Um, like Queens and further out in Brooklyn uh, would come out to Bay Ridge to play every Thursday night. And it was a fun time and COVID hit. Yeah, exactly. Nothing raises your blood pressure more than trying to find parking in Brooklyn or Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. That hits you so well. Yeah. But so started in October, 2016 and then started picking up in March, 2017, even just open mics in general. You feel that when a performer goes through that circuit, the open mic circuit, it makes them a better performer. Because it's so intimate and it forces you to improve and improv on the spot. Right. You feel that it does make you a more refined performer? Yeah. Doing the open mic circuit? Right. Uh, now I'm, I'm busy just about every night with something. I also host karaoke. That's awesome. Um, but at the time, I was only hosting um, at Kitty's and had my monthly showcase. So I had a little bit more free time during the night. And I would go to yeah. different open mics in Manhattan, Brooklyn. Uh, Staten Island, we had a couple going on at the time. And just playing in front of different crowds, different bar audiences. Yeah. Trying to impress them with something. And um, you get different musicians. You see the same musicians as well, too. Like, oh, you're here, too? So Yeah. Um, and you get that camaraderie, right? It's like, yeah. a little, like a little community. Yeah. That's the cool part about it. Uh, some of the best open mics I've been to are just people who go there every week and they build their own sort of family community. Yeah. And they support each other. Um, and you also kind of see how they're progressing as well. Yeah. And um, I really enjoy those spots. And it, it's something that isn't happening right now, I think, because we're still kind of going through or I think it'll come back though, COVID. right? I think it will. It's just a crazy time period. Yeah. It's something that that has to happen. It's 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 something that's been going on for for decades. Yeah. For, for longer than that, people get together and perform and you know, checking in with each other creatively and see no, how sure. they're doing. And I can still play a song that people recognize and they just, they love it. And something yeah. I've been playing for, for years. No, for sure. Yeah. And when did you first start writing songs? Uh, like, I think uh, I can put a year on it. I think 2010 or 2009 or so, 
I started writing songs. I was in college, and I was just kind of a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, play riffs. I would play songs. And at college, we had this uh, club, like a school-sponsored club, uh, the Rock and Blues Ensemble. Oh, and nice, we would nice, get nice. together, different musicians. My school kind of had that too. Yeah, they had rock ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we played classic rock songs and we were able to bring in songs that we liked and yeah. learn them and play them with, with the band. Yeah. We had a ton of guitar players, of course. We had like four or five guitar players. So it's like, yeah. okay. And the one go, ensemble. We're going to go around and, and, and play a, a round of solos. And I got, a, I got to be a better performer like that, get more comfortable, uh, a better guitar player. But just a better musician. The best thing about, the best way to learn how to be a better musician is to listen to other musicians. Yeah. Especially when you're playing with them. You learn so much from them. I realize. Yeah. You got to surround yourself with other it's musicians. One, it's one thing to play yourself and listen to yourself, but to play and to listen to somebody else, um, you can kind of learn how to fit in and uh, bring something to the song. You're right. Your own dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so towards the end of, my college career, uh, I started writing songs. Um, some of my influences were, were Johnny Cash, Lou Reed, of course, my favorite bands at the time, The Killers, Kings of Leon, The Strokes. But that made its way into my music, but it wasn't as um, as obvious as somebody like Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. Lou Reed, uh, Hank Williams even. And um, I love that combo because you're mentioning artists, those solo are Lou Reed, Hank Williams, and Johnny Cash. They're from a different period, but also with that country vein, but then you're mixing in the 2000s Indian post-punk rock. That's a cool combination. Another uh, strong influence of mine was uh, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Oh, okay. More more of the song. I wouldn't have expected that. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah. And just how how organic his music is and how visceral it is, too. Yeah, that's a great word to describe, visceral. And He's his own lane. Yeah. And uh, not that I wanted to go out and sound like him, but to to try and capture that essence of him, um, how he kind of gets into your head, and he explores those themes about you know mental illness or loneliness, things like that. Yeah, those are things that I touch on in my music. Um, maybe not so um, outright and obviously, but um, so I try to write songs. At that time, and they weren't all that good. It was hard for me to, to sing and play at the same time. I wasn't a great singer at the time. Mm-hmm. I've since improved. I'm still an okay singer. It's hard to do both. Yeah. It is. Um, I love playing guitar. I think I'm a better guitar player. And um, you know, I just kept at it. And it's funny how you, you hear other people react to your music, and then they're like, oh, you sound like this, or you sound like that. And sometimes they're musicians that I've never even heard of. Yeah. But then you listen to them, you're like, all right, I can kind of get that. And it's funny how we have people who in this world that are similar to us creatively, but we've never met them. And I think that's tapping into that sort of creative consciousness that kind of is in the universe. Yeah, you're right, that wavelength. Yeah. So you talked about an influence like Trent Reznor and how and why he inspires you. So the other ones you mentioned, let's say The Strokes, The Killers, Kings of Leon, Johnny Cash. What makes you gravitate toward an artist and makes you love them? What about that artist really taps into you? I think that's a very um, personal decision. And it's more about taste. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this recently, actually. Oh, really? Because people are like, oh, you know, who's your favorite artist and, and this and that? Because I host karaoke. And, uh, you know, the songs that I tend to sing, uh, the songs that I tend to cover or songs that I write it's a personal taste thing. It's like food. Mm-hmm. Like you might enjoy the same plate of spaghetti like yeah. I do, but it hits you differently. It reminds yeah. you of different things in your life. Maybe that plate of spaghetti to me, it's a little deeper and it's more comforting or it reminds me more of home or my mom. Um, but maybe a plate of sushi for you is, is something different. Yeah. You know, so I think music hits everybody differently. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go out saying, oh, yeah, I want to learn to love Johnny Cash. It's just I heard one song. Um, I'll tell you about Johnny Cash, how that became an influence. It was the the, the movie Walk the Line. 
Okay. And I'm like, all right, I, you know, like I kind of dig it. I kind of dig his music. Like I heard maybe a song here and there. It was probably Ring of Fire. Yeah. And then a friend of mine let me borrow his uh, compilation of, it was I think it was his dad's mm-hmm. CD, uh, The Essential Johnny Cash. And I just listened to it all the way through. It was two discs, probably like 30, 40 songs. I loved all of them. And then um, like one song that is one of my favorite songs of all time is The Wanderer. It's actually credited to you too, but Johnny Cash sings on it. Mm-hmm. And that's a song that cuts deep for me. And um, yeah. The Wanderer. Yeah, well, I went down to Nashville in September of 2020 and I went to the Johnny Cash Museum. And I've heard of Johnny Cash, but because of his influence and also then after visiting that exhibit, it made me want to dive into his discography and his life more. And I'm still diving into it, but yeah. Even if they seen that museum and this his writing style, it was really interesting. Yeah. It was. It was cool. He was an absolute original. That's why he still is so popular Especially today. for the time period. Yeah. yeah, because he walked that line of like mainstream, but also he had the rockabilly, the rock and country influence. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't exactly one genre he was. It was like, I love artists that kind of have that hybrid style. And even like, I'd be lying if I said that these artists weren't one of my first biggest influences. Like, I guess because I was... I was born in 97 and like I grew up on a lot of my parents' music, like classic rock, because they love classic rock and pop and those artists, even alternative rock from the 60s to 90s. Cause my parents were born in the early 60s. But the first kind of like genre, the first cluster of artists I discovered on my own that I felt was like my generation kind of was like a lot of turn of the century metal and rock bands. And even like lyricists like Korn, Slipknot, Linkin Park, those were huge for me. And especially like Korn's Jonathan Davis, because of the lyrical subjects he talked on. He talked a lot of like loneliness. Even like he talked on mental health, drug abuse, and like, and I love the sonics of bands from that genre, other genres too, but that really was a huge influence for me and influenced part of my writing style. And it goes back to what you said, it really is like you weren't looking for it, like it just hits you. And a lot of those bands I liked, I guess because I felt it was like when I was younger, so it was like it was it was the first of my parents' music that I got into, but also like I was the youngest cousin in my family. They were all born in the 80s, so they were like huge when they were like adolescents so like i saw they liked it and i was like oh i want to like what my cousins like because i want to be cool yeah or whatever and then i got into it and i was like like the sonics and even like not all but some of the bands like what they talked about for the time being like an angsty little 12 year old or whatever it's like they're talking about things i never heard about in a vein i've never discovered and it's like it, it hits you like a truck yeah. some of it you know what i mean yeah so it's cool it's really interesting to like hear other people's personal journey with artists yeah. and how it inspires theirs yeah so even with songwriting what do you feel comes first for you Songwriting with, do you focus on lyrics first or do you focus on the guitar chords, the production first? Uh, I'd say the the lyrics almost always come first. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I have maybe one or two songs that it was a riff or uh, a chord regression Yeah. Um, that, that stuck out and I wanted to write to it. Mm-hmm. But it's almost always the lyrics for me. And that's why I say I'm a songwriter. Yeah. I'm not a good, I am a player, but I wouldn't say that I am a guitar player or I'm a singer. I'm a singer-songwriter. Yeah. The, the the words always come first for me. And it's not always the melody either. I'm not great with writing writing. So you've always in the story first. Right. It's a story. It's a feeling. It's an unusual phrase. Yeah. Um, sometimes they, they come to you in dreams. One of my songs, Antelope Gamble, came to me in a dream. That's and a, it was just the that's phrase. That's a great title, Antelope Gamble. It was just the, the the phrase. And I was like, this is something. Yeah. I have to write it down and I expanded on it. And it, it feels like something that was always existing in the universe. And I just had to pull it out. Yeah. It was like floating around. Yeah. It was floating around. Yeah. So even when you talk about when your lyrics, when you go down, when you sit down and write a song, do you feel that it flows effortlessly? Or are you thinking about a certain topic that you want the lyrics to be? directly about every song's different um i have maybe a handful of songs that that came in a few minutes a few hours yeah the lyrics were, were there and i just kind of had to put the music together and it was fine yeah there's songs i've been laboring on for years one of the songs i'm going to play uh later is one of the first like instrumental songs that i ever wrote and i put lyrics to it yeah and it's something that still doesn't feel finished but you know, it's good enough now. Let's talk about that. When do you finally feel that a song is finished? Because I get so frustrated with songs that have taken longer than others, and it makes me want to abandon it because it gets me frustrated. I'm like, this song is taking up too much of my time. Of course, it's a labor of love, but 
you want it to be great for yourself and you want it to be done. So for you though, when you're taking longer than expected on a song, what do you do to either move forward or at least get onto a different topic? Like, you know what I mean? Like to push forward and move through and to make progress. What do you do? Um, Again, every song is different. And I think some songs end up being more finished than others. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of goes to which songs are your best songs? The ones that are finished, the ones that hit people in a certain way. Uh, for example, I think Antelope Gamble is a song that's finished. Yeah. I know what it is. I can play it. It hit you early. I can, like, I'm good. This I cannot play good. it for, for months at a time and then pick it back up and it's still fresh. Yeah. And then there are songs that I have that I would say that they're finished, but they don't, to me, they don't feel finished. And I yeah. kind of, it's okay to kind of, as an artist, to do something you think the best that you did and it's still not okay. Yeah. But because you need to, as an artist, you need to keep creating. Yeah. Um, because if you get stuck with something, trying to pull the best out of it, you're going to be stuck doing it for a long time. And it could feel strained. And sometimes you just got to say, that's good enough. I'm going to move on. Because um, sometimes most, sometimes you get lucky and you get a song that is great right out of the bat. And uh, those are the ones that uh, you got to keep keep playing and those become like your signature songs um, because you were lucky you were able to pull it out of the universe I think yeah um, I sometimes think I'm like somebody with like a, a radio trying to dial in that uh, that radio station yeah um, my friend has a song uh, Cosmic Radio uh, Matt Baruch her Above the Sun and he's, ta- he's talking about that it's like you're tapping into the universe to to get that song that message and sometimes it comes in real clear. Most of the time it's a little fuzzy. You can get the most out of it. Yeah. Uh, or the gist of it. And um, as an artist, you got to keep creating. That's what makes you an artist. Um, I have my songs now that I'm working on that I'm trying to record. Yeah. So I haven't been writing too much. Yeah. Because I want to keep practicing them, rehearsing Because you're in that next process. You want to get the recordings as best as possible in the pre-production phase. Right, right, right. That's where you're at. And I have I have maybe one or two songs that keep popping into my head when I rehearse, when I practice. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be a good one. Yeah. Just, it just needs its its time. It just needs to wait a little bit It longer. is a process, man. I'm through that as well. And now, especially with, you know, getting back and working so much again, because I was unemployed for a while because I was working as an audio technician for Off-Broadway. And now September, everything came roaring back, thankfully. But a part of me is in, I was telling this to someone I was discussing with before, like, I feel like I'm in apocalyptic mode because the industry was destroyed and was gone for 18 months. And I don't want to leave the industry. You know what I mean? I left school not long before the pandemic, finally getting a job. You want to try and like, you know, make your way and get whatever you can to invest back into creative pursuits. But then once everything came back, everything was all at once. And we don't know if it'll be like that in a consistent basis or after a month or two, it will die down because it probably will because everything's back at once. So it cannot sustain that. So there's been more more work than usual just for now. So part of me is like, just work, 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 grind, 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 like as much as you can. Last couple of weeks, I was working like six days a week and commuting like, you know, from Staten Island, like, oh, it's a process. You add three hours onto your day every day, but it's cool. Like I love it for now, right? But there's been not time to create music. Like I tried making like, I made like a dance track a few days ago. That felt good because I never did that before. But in terms of finishing like six songs I wanted to, I feel drained. Because of work. Yeah. I'm trying to be in that process too. Like I'm done with those songs, but I'm trying to get the recordings as best as possible in the production, but it's making me not work on new songs because I feel like I have to finish this. I don't want to keep making fragments. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it is one of those things to balance. Do you feel that when you create too with your songs, when you sit down to write a song, you get it done or do you do you create a lot of fragments? I've definitely done that a lot. Yeah. Um as I said before, I have maybe one or two songs that are keep popping up into my uh, yeah. rehearsals, my practicing. Uh, so I keep playing them. And it's maybe a verse, chorus, verse that I have, but it's not entirely finished. Yeah. So I know I need to like sit down, flush it out, and um, get the best I can out of it. Um, one, of the, one of the songs I'm going to play now, uh, later, um, I said earlier, it was uh, like an instrumental track. Yeah. Uh, that I've had for years, and that stem, you know, it, it grows into something. And I think the song I'm going to play, it's a, it's a lovely song. 
people enjoy it. Um, no, I'm more excited to hear it. You mentioned also artists keep creating. There's a huge debate now with quantity versus quality. And now because you have distribution opened up, social media, people can create and release more than ever, which is amazing. When it comes to quality versus quantity, how do you feel? Do you think artists should just pump out as much music as they can or really focus on, let's say, an album's worth of work every couple years? Yeah, I think it really depends on the artist and their own uh, their own beliefs and philosophies. I think there are artists who can pump things out uh, real quickly and easily. And maybe they're not the best, but I think it's great that you can, as an artist, you get, you're able to do that. You can pump it out. Yeah. Yeah. That you can get things out, finish them, and you're happy with them. Yeah. If you're happy with them, that's important. Because yeah. Because you're an artist, you do something that not a lot of people can do. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to like be upset with it in a few months or a year and then rip it down from whatever service you put it on. Yeah. You want to work hard on it, but then also you want it to be good enough for now and moving forward. Like, right. You want to know when yeah. to move on. And I think I think today too, I think quantity is so important. Yeah. You want to have things up there online that people can see and they can get a different uh, sense of all the things that you can do. Yeah. All the different songs you, you can write um, or, you know, if you're an artist, a visual artist, all the different things that you can create. Um, I think that that's really important. You give people um, variety and... People will think, oh, you know, this person's got a ton of songs. They could do that. For them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important too, uh, if you feel that you want to put things out that are quality material and um, you want to labor over those because you want to put something out there that is important to you, it's, it's no different. You want to put things out there um, that are a part of you. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think there's any right answer. I personally have been working on things for, for so long, um, I have not as many songs as people would think, and I just want to get things right for myself. Now, for to sure. be happy with them. So let's now go into your performance. Let's dive into the first song. What are you going to perform for us today? So this song um, was originally titled "Hooks," and that was the original sort of instrumental title that I had for it. Um, instrumental, it was because uh, I wasn't singing, I wasn't writing songs at the time. Yeah. But I had an interesting sort of guitar part, um, kind of based in a 12-bar blues uh, style. And um, when I started writing songs, I wanted to use that song because I felt like it was important to me, mm-hmm. like it was a good song. And um, I've since changed the title to uh, Rising Tide. Rising Tide, okay. Um, and it's going to be on the on the album I'm working on. And... Um, Yeah, should I just get into it? Get into it whenever you want, yeah. Cool. A rising tide And above the sun A bird in flight I cast this net The night before But I'm still Standing on the shore But I'm still Standing on the shore One boat one line. I've had this dream too many times. I've cast these hooks the night before, but I'm still standing on the shore. But I'm still standing on the shore. All lies beneath the sea Where the sky meets a mystery Let me fall underneath a wave 
tried to fill this empty home with everything and the ones I've known. But I'll cast this net more and more. Cause I'm still standing on the shore. Cause I'm still standing on the shore. I'm still standing on the shore Yeah, man, that sounded great. Thank you. That sounded great, especially the acoustic with like your baritone like delivery on that. You know what I mean? That was really relaxing. It sounded great. Yeah. You got to release that, dude. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be out there soon. And rising tide, right? Rising tide, yeah. Rising tide. Yeah. So let's talk about that song. When did that song first come to fruition and what inspired those lyrics? Uh again, it was like an instrumental that I wrote years, years, years ago. When yeah. I was just kind of doing instrumental tracks yeah. uh, with electric guitar. Um and then not too long ago, a couple of years ago, um I just wanted to to expand it and write lyrics about it. And, um, you know, originally the title was Hooks. And it was something about, you know, casting something out there and waiting for something to come to you. And, uh, you know, it doesn't always come. Yeah. You're always waiting for something. And um, it was funny. I was, I was performing it now. And I'm still, like, I changed the title. Yeah. I changed some of the lyrics. And I went back to the old lyrics, but it's okay. See, that's the thing. No one, that's what <laughs> no I love one's about. Tell. No one even knew. No one's gonna tell. Yeah, it's all our process, which yeah. which makes it so in interesting and exciting. Yeah, no one knows. At at open mics, um, it's the vessel we put it through. At open mics, if you play a song that you know is kind of fresh, um, and you mess up, you're always gonna be like, "Oh, I messed up." You always your hardest Isn't that harshest great? critic. No one knows a thing. Right, and and people are like, "Oh, you did so good. I I love that song. I love that line." I'm like, yeah. Thank you, but you know, it wasn't. I messed up, and like I didn't, I didn't notice. So when it comes to performances too, so either an open mic or a performance of any kind, what is your preparation like? What do you do day of to get prepared? Um, for maybe a couple hours, um, I'll warm up, stretching, my body just getting loose, getting warm, um, especially like the shoulder, neck area for yeah. singing. Yeah. Um. People say I'm a good singer. I don't. I think I'm an okay singer, but that's the part that I focus on so much now because I want to be a better singer. Yeah. So I'm always practicing with that, and um, I'll do some some exercises on the on the guitar, but also mix in some breathing with it. So I'm yeah. playing, warming up my hands um, to play, but also uh, getting my breath ready so I can sing properly. And I'll work with a keyboard to uh, to get notes right. Um, if I'm working on a song now, um, I'll have it on the guitar. I know I'm going to perform it on guitar, but I'll take the chords to the keyboard to get the vocal melody down. For oh, so that's cool. So you utilize a piano when you're trying to get out your vocal melodies. Right. Okay. I, for some reason, I hear it better. Mm -hmm. um, maybe because the keyboard speakers are, are pointed at me. Yeah. And I hear uh, more of the overtones better. Yeah. And um, I can fit my vocal melody uh, a lot more easily. Yeah. And then I just transfer it back to to guitar. And um, that's what I've done as well. Like I've noticed the power of like even just five, 10 minutes a day of vocal exercises. And I've slacked a lot with it too. But there's a great, there's a couple of great channels on YouTube. I've used a lot of Eric Arsenal. He's his vocal coach. He has like these three or four daily vocal warmups. And at first 10 minutes is like just certain breathing and you relax your neck, your shoulders, you do lip rolls, right. and even just like a couple of like light coughs would open up your diaphragm. And even that I've noticed because I try and record at home. I'll try and like squeeze in those practicing, that practices, whatever. And like it's helped even though I got to really put more effort into it because it really does. You need to like open up all those muscles to get the best vocals, Yeah. you know? Do you also produce and record at home at all? Do you work on that at home or you just go to a studio out when you're creating these songs, when you want to record these songs? I have a hard time at home recording um i do use my phone on occasion to hear how so how something sounds mm -hmm. and if it's kind of worth pursuing or if i should um most of the time how, how should i adjust my singing yeah um 
I, I do have a, a multi-track recorder at home with a, a microphone to kind of work on things. Um, during lockdown, I, uh, I worked on a song and I thought it sounded great, but you can still hear it's kind of rough. And so uh, for the album, I am uh, working with uh, Sunrise Studios here on Staten Island. Oh, Sunrise uh, Studios? Chris Sauter okay. from, uh, from Youth Moose. Um, we're going to work on that album together. Cool. And it's going to be pretty um, pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, again, me and guitar. Uh, there might be some extra instruments on it, but not much. Um, at home, I just practice my best. Because uh, I also host karaoke. So we're talking about those those exercises. And Joe Broadway's your hoster, right? At Joe Broadway's nice. Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. Um, and now Tuesday nights at uh, Mexican Cantina here on Staten Island. And where is that cantina located? That's so on uh, Victory Boulevard. By uh, by Manor Road, um, sweet Victory Manor. Okay, cool. Yeah. If you want to come by, sing some songs. Hell yeah! Listen, yeah, I gotta get my chops up somehow. I gotta get back out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because now I'm realizing I've been trying to produce a lot throughout the year, but sometimes you get in your own funk too. And I'm realizing going to the shows, open mics. It's like well, I saw your saw you again recently. I saw Ken here at the mixer. It's like I need that too. That was what was missing the most. Like now that everything's open, it's like that also brings so much inspiration and it gets into a different role. Even like working again, like I've came up with a couple of songs cause I was like not having fun at work. I'm like, fuck this. And like, it made me like write a song. I ran to the bathroom and they're like, why are you going to the bathroom for the third time in an hour? It's cause I was like, I wanted to get a couple of voice memos out. Yeah. And I did, I was like in the bathroom, you hear the toilet flush. So yeah, maybe I should put that on Spotify too. It's, it's hilarious, but you just like, yeah, I try and like pump out some like little melodies or scats, whatever. Yeah. Do I, these random new occasions again because they're like new again. Yeah. Stuff that wasn't around for a while, yeah. the 18 months. Uh, Water is also very important for the voice. No, you're right. So whenever you're ready, would you like to perform for us a second song? Uh, I wasn't ready yet. You No, then we, you can wait. You <laughs> let's, can wait. Keep, let's keep talking. Let's keep talking. Um, I want to talk more about other influences too. So right now, who are your biggest influences at the moment? Who are you listening to nonstop? Um... Not not so much to kind of pull things out of them to to put into my music, but I'm listening a lot to The Killers. They're still my favorite band. Nice. Um, beyond Mr. Brightside, they have a ton of other songs, great songs. Um, they released an album 2020, and uh, imploding the mirage. Correct. And oh, I, yeah. I think I think it's great. Um, it wasn't wasn't my favorite, but there are great songs on it. And um, I mentioned, you know, I work on song um my vocal melodies with a keyboard i yeah. started covering caution and it sounds great on the keyboard with guitar it's a little tough but um they have great songs on that album that I just a great felt, record i just felt it was very much um a little too overproduced but uh i enjoy the album anyway and then just a few months ago they released another album uh pressure machine and it's very much raw stripped down americana I was excited and surprised it did because they had a gap between because Battleborn came out in 2012, Wonderful Wonderful came out in 17, then Imploding the Mirage. And I know because COVID interrupted like probably the whole promotional rollout and the tour, and they came back with that. It's like, yeah, they haven't come out two records in like 18 months and right. so long. They they push it out. I used to like them a lot. Like, I still like them. Like I think Brandon Flowers is a great front man. They are a great band. And they're from like one of those bands from like the mid 2000s. Like we grew up with them. They're like a newer band that still sold millions of records, but they're still also relevant in the internet era. Yeah. Like I remember I was younger because I was like, I still used to buy CDs like in 2007 to 2009. I was just like, oh, the killers are popular right now. Let's get into it. Like, and I bought, like, I remember I bought Human, A Day and Age. Yeah. And like I had, I had like a little box set because it came with like their first three records. And it also came with that compilation right. Sawdust. Yeah. So like I have like four of their CDs just chilling. Yeah. But no, they're they're a cool band. They are. Yeah, I love the Killers. Um, I was lucky that throughout college I had two of their albums. Okay. Uh, Sam's Town and Day and Age be released. And Day and Age is one of my favorites. Uh, I could listen to that uh, beginning to end. Guitar Hero, actually, I think now I realized Guitar Hero 2 is when I first, one of the first times I've heard of the Killers because they had When You Were Young on it. Right. And that song was also blowing up back then, 06, 07. Yeah. And that's when I first, I think that that was what introduced me to them, that song. It's a regular line for karaoke and, and one that I cover as well. Oh, on nice. Guitar. I also cover uh, Mr. Brightside, of course, and that's a fun one. What are your favorite songs to cover? Like, what makes you want to cover a song? Uh, I gotta love the song. I, I understand uh, some performers performing songs that um, are popular yeah. because you want to play something that people are familiar with and want to hear, mm -hmm. especially at a bar. 
You know, people are, yeah. are in their drinks or in their food and they want to be entertained. And that's important. That's something I want to do too. Yeah. But for me, if I want to cover a song, it has to be something that I really enjoy. Yeah. It's either got to be something that I enjoy and that people will recognize and I can put my own spin to it. Uh, for example, Mr. Brightside, when you were young, I also cover Sex on Fire. Oh, right. King of Leon. Leon. Yeah. Great record. And that one is is very different than the recording. Very different. It's uh, much more stripped down, slower, more intimate, I think. Of how you perform it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Or I'll I'll take a song that is not really well known. And I'll cover it. And we'll be like, oh, did you write that? I said, no, I didn't write that. And I'll tell him who wrote it. One of my favorite songwriters who actually he passed away last year, very young. He was not even 40 yet, I think, um, Justin Towns Earl. Uh, I cover two, now three of his songs. Um, uh, Burning Pictures, uh, White Gardenias, and his one of his more recent songs, uh, Champagne Corolla. And... Um, you know, he passed away very young, and he was a great songwriter. I just found him on the NPR Tiny Desk. Oh, okay. I was kind of going, because I, I had seen that, um, and I submitted a song for, for the contest uh, to be a, a featured artist on that, on the, on the NPR's Tiny Desk. And I was kind of going through uh, some of their old videos, and I saw, oh, this is a guy. He's a songwriter. He's got a guitar. Mm-hmm. Let me check him out. And one of his songs that he played there was White Gardenias that he wrote about um, Billie Holiday. Okay. It's a beautiful song. It's probably one of his most popular songs that he'll play like at all of his shows. Yeah. And every time I play it, I get a little emotional about it. And people are like, that's a great song. Like, did you write it? I said, nope, I didn't write that. But it's great to take a song of an artist that you love that maybe people don't know and take it out there, perform it in a way. And people are like, that's a great song. You're like, yeah. I know. You know, like listen to them. You put your own spin on it. Yeah. Covers are like originals too in a way. You mentioned a lot of rock and roll artists and singer-songwriter. Are you inspired by hip-hop at all? Oh, when I was growing up, when I was young, uh, I'm from the MTV generation, and I used to love hip-hop. Um, I'm like a 90s hip-hop kid. Who were your favorite artists? Uh, at the time, it was like Biggie, Puffy now, Diddy, um, Mace at the time too, uh, Nas, uh, Buster Rhymes is one of my favorites. He just so he had so much energy. And it was so fun. The to syllables listen. he packs into a bar, it's amazing. Like it is, it is so technical. I, that shit's fascinating. Yeah, I used to love hip hop. Um, I I mean, I still like hip hop today, not as much. I, I know fewer artists. Um, I, I'm sure that that's that's an influence in some way. So you're not as much inspired by like modern hip hop. You don't pay attention to it as much currently. Correct. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm sure it's in my influences somewhere. It's it's in my playing somewhere. Yeah. It has to be. What about modern country artists? Do you have any influences from that? Do you listen to that? Yeah. Um, not so much the more, um, I, I, I'd say, sort of Nashville factory-made country. I do like Luke Bryan. I think he's a great singer. Um, some of his uh, older songs, I think, are great, mm-hmm. fun. Some of his newer stuff, not crazy about. Um, but one artist that's kind of like, more modern uh, outlaw country is uh, Sturgill Simpson. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's got an amazing deep voice. I found him on a uh, tiny desk as well. Um, he had his voice is very similar to Waylon Jennings. Um, and his uh, record, what was it called? I don't remember what it was called. But uh, the song from it was uh, "Turtles Going Down." It was about him taking drugs and sort of going on a trip. Um, he's sort of like this hippie outlaw country guy and his most recent record that i enjoyed was uh all right it's it's escaping right me right now but one of his songs that i really enjoyed was make art not friends okay i tried covering that and it's it's okay um my my version of it but it's something i didn't play out too much um but i sort of like country artists that are more i think more honest a little bit more stripped down yeah because i think a lot of the more popular country today is uh too polished and uh you know recording something this is going to to my own sort of beliefs and philosophy philosophies about recording and music is to be honest and to have that human quality mm-hmm. in a recording yeah you want it to be perfect but you don't want to be so perfect that it loses its humanity 
Yeah, you know, like, yeah, even when I'm producing beats or compositions, like, I love samples. I also love live instrumentation, putting live, like, I'll play guitar and bass on my recordings and I'll sing in whatever I do. I like quantized things, but also it's like, I want it to be, like, let's say 60-40. You want it to be perfect because you realized you want to connect with people, but then also you need to have that kind of, like, human, like, human feel to it. It has to be a little imperfect. Yeah. That's probably going to stand the test of time the most. Because if it is too perfect, then sometimes it feels too calculated. I'm trying to find that balance too. And even country, I never used to like country. I thought like liking country was like, oh, it's whack. It's like, we're in New York. Like, who the <laughs> fuck listens to country? But I realized I was dumb. Like I could learn from any style of music. Yeah. Jazz, like world beat, country. And I started listening more to country the last two years or so. And there's some artists like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting into it more. I'm learning more about the genre. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool to just like get into, a, get into and learn from that songwriting style that I never thought I would learn or appreciate. There's from other genres too. Even jazz, I mean, like, you know, getting into a lot. Like Miles Davis, John Coltrane. Like, I'm realizing there's a lot of fucking magic here. I should, like, listen. Yeah. Just learn. There's good music all over. And yeah. And sometimes we keep ourselves away from it from our own sort of, uh, you know, what we think is, is right, what's good, yeah. and what's popular, and what yeah. our friends listen to. Uh, Miles, yeah, influenced by that. Miles Davis is one of my musical heroes. Yeah. I used to listen to him. I still listen to him all the time. I have his records on vinyl. Uh, in college, I took a jazz class. I learned uh, about him and other jazz greats. And um, it's amazing, these artists that are my influences, and you sort of trace back their influences. For example, the Killers, um, they got their name from a music video of New Order's Crystal. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. It was like a couple teenage kids playing in a band in like a big empty white room and the on the drum on the, the kick drum was the killers oh wow and so they took their name from that and then i was like oh new order that song's pretty cool and then new order is one of my favorite bands now and yeah. they were an influence of the killers and then bruce springsteen who was one of my favorite songwriters too his influence was johnny cash but then recently i think johnny cash is uh when he the records he did with rick rubin um he covered a Bruce Springsteen song. Oh, really? And it comes like full circle how Johnny Cash influences Springsteen. Springsteen writes a song and then Johnny Cash covers it. That's, yeah, when you go about, you, it's like you're going up the family tree of these artists and you find their amazing influences. That That is, that's a great thing to learn about. And even like any bro, now it goes into your music. So what do you think? Ready to play second song? Sure. Um, yeah. What's this one called? I, I mentioned this one earlier, uh, Antelope Gamble. This is Antelope Gamble. Yeah. You heard it here first. He talked about the inspiration, and now this is the first debut of it. <clears throat> this one, uh, this one isn't going to be on the record. It's not planned for it. Okay, but this is one of my favorite songs to perform. It's a fun one. Yeah. If I know I'm losing the crowd, I'll throw it out there. Now, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a fun one. Let's see how it is. In let's here. let's hear it. All right. Does the antelope gamble when the lions are nowhere to be seen? It's too bad for the zebra. It's too bad we're all watching color TV. What is the rain to a lake? But a breath of fresh air for the dying fish. And our scales became feathers. Try and capture all of our hopes and dreams But dreams are thrown away By the beast comfortable in its cage Like this wolf on its leash Has graduated into man's greatest friend And will the prey Ever feel pain, or will they run away? Will they run away from the sun and into the rain? Will they run? Will they run? Will they run? On this cold desert morning The wind pushes life back to another day The blood-stained rattlesnake Is 
curled up on her enemy's grave. And will the prey ever feel pain? Or will they run away? Will they run away from the sun? And into the rain? Will they run? Will they run? Will they run? Does the antelope gamble? Does the antelope gamble? Nice. Nah, that's cool. Especially like with the lyrics and even like mix in with those chords. No, nah, it was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you here. Yeah. Well, listen, to wrap it up, let us know where we could find you and follow everything you're doing on internet. Okay. So on Instagram, which I use the most, um, at Mr. Antonio Music, all one word, Mr. Antonio Music. Um, on, on Facebook as well. Not as active on that though. Um, on Twitter, not as active on that though. Yeah. And my music, my music is going to be out there. Um, I have some stuff on the Bandcamp. Okay. No. What's the other one? We have uh, the orange one. Oh, SoundCloud. 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 I'm on SoundCloud as well. I have some. I have an instrumental like a uh, Christmas album on there. If you're oh, nice, that. nice. Yeah. Um, I like electronic music too. Yeah. I tried to do something with that. Um, check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, yeah. The holidays are coming. So Hell now's yeah. a good time to to sit back with some eggnog and and, and you're gonna have some new music coming out on all the streaming platforms hopefully soon yeah Spotify I, all that yeah I'm aiming for the before the end of the year so I'm kind of cutting it close but nah, uh, it's, it's gonna okay. be out there and um, thank you so much for having me thank you so much and like he said all lowercase Mr. Anduzik he's posting new content and videos every week he has the Kitty Kiernan open mic Thursday nights karaoke at Joe Broadway's Wednesdays got old Henry's Public House right on Staten Island. Friday nights, he's doing an open mic. And yeah, more stuff coming from Mr. Antonio Music soon. Be sure to check him out. And thank you for coming on the podcast. And we will see you all soon. Thank you. Yeah, yeah man. That was cool. Right.